Hype Beast Radio. I'm Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. It may be cliche to say, but this week's guest of the business of hype is the epitome of when you keep your eyes on the prize. Footwear design has always been his passion, and it's taken him through some amazing experiences. Jobs that were seemingly just for the check, but ended up becoming much more. Unexpected detours, life-changing jobs, and career-defining moments that reshape the brand and maybe even a culture. He's a rising designer, and you might know him or his work as Senior Director of Sneakers and Men's Footwear at Versace. Or maybe you first heard about him from his time at Easy. But in a larger sense, he's actually helping further bridge the gap between luxury and street. He's made many headlines through his work and continues to help open doors through his role. Let's get ready to hear the story of the very talented Salehi Bembury. So dope. Um, you know, it, we're in a really interesting stage in culture right now where like almost anybody could do anything and like so it's sort of limitless what's possible right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, brands sort of tapping into individuals, individuals becoming brands of their own. We're at like a really interesting time where anything is possible. And I think you, uh, I've been following your career for a while now and just seeing you coming up, you're like exemplary of that momentum that's happening, you know. So before we get too deep, First of all, introduce yourself. Who do we have in the studio today? Uh, my name is Salehi Bimbri. Um, I am the Senior Director of Men's Footwear and Sneakers at Versace. Welcome. And I am very happy to be here. Yeah, man. This is going to be good. I think yeah. um, a lot of people have been looking up to your career and seeing what you're doing. And I think a lot of young people have a lot of questions on someone like yourself can get to a high fashion house, you know, and like, there's also a lot of mystery, I think, because there's a lot that like you can't say. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you can say it now. I'll try to, <laughs> you know, try I'm to share try what to, I can. Yeah. I'm try to pull it out of you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, I mean, um, you're at Versace now, obviously, yes. uh, if you are even, you know, peripherally into sh- shoes or sneaker culture at all, you've been seeing what Versace has been putting out mm-hmm. and it's been really revolutionary from a luxury brand standpoint, how it merges street culture, sneaker culture and luxury world. And you're sort of like right at the intersection of that. And so like the work that you're doing out of Versace, I think is like exactly what's happening in the culture right now. Thank like you. it's the perfect merging of all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you must be super proud to be able to put your stamp on it. Because before Versace, there's not many other people that get to put their stamp on something besides Donatella Versace herself. Mm-hmm. So you are sort of like you know, really putting your thumbprint on this. Yeah, I mean, I think any any uh, one that joins a creative team is bringing something unique to the table. And, mm-hmm. and what I'm bringing to this uh, opportunity is just my knowledge of sneakers and footwear and a lifetime of being obsessed with uh, the craft and, you know, late nights on Nike Talk and, you know, <laughs> camping out around the corner at Supreme and, you know, doing all those those nerdy sneakerhead things. I, I come from that, so... Yeah. It's it's uh it's really in my blood and it's been really exciting to you know bring it to this new space. I would assume that not a lot of people at Versace headquarters has that same pedigree that you do. No, I mean I think you know you know they they more so probably went to school for for fashion or at least have a fashion background mm-hmm. 
you know, I went to school for industrial design and the any, any fashion experience I have comes from just growing up in this neighborhood, Tribeca Soho, and, you know, having a creative uh, father. My dad was a photographer, so just really having um, an envi- a creative environment all around me. You know, it was mm-hmm. kind of this uh, subconscious absorption that was happening all throughout my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up in New York City? Grew up in New York City. Grew up about maybe 15 blocks away from here on Dwayne Street in Tribeca. Uh-huh. And uh, lived there for 29 years and then moved to California. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what year were you born? 1986. Okay. So you grew up in the mid-80s in downtown New York City. Mid-80s, yeah, downtown. um, You know, Tribeca definitely wasn't the Tribeca that it is now. Mm Jay-Z, Beyonce, De Niro. Nobu, yeah. Yeah, you know, Nobu. Um, It definitely was more of like an artist neighborhood. Uh I believe it was a bunch of warehouses that they, you know, gave to a bunch of artists yeah, and uh, yep. kind of a rent control setup, and then uh, it just kind of flourished. Yeah, and now it's I would call it maybe Upper East Side number two, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was pretty dope. So we actually have a lot of crossover here because mm-hmm. um, you're talking mid '80s. Uh, my parents, who are Chinese immigrants, had a import export warehouse on Franklin Street. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's super close. Super close, like four blocks. And away. so what they would do is they would bring me to work, but then when I was like. Um, sort of in my 13 to 15 years old, which was in the mid-80s. I was born in 75. Mm-hmm. So this is like 89, 90. They would bring me to work, and then they would just let me roam downtown Tribeca and the village. Yeah. And, you know, back then. So you must know this story of, like, just how Broadway and Soho and the village was, like, with what, antique boutique and, mm-hmm. like, unique. And yeah. what was that um, sneaker store on Broadway and Canal? Was it, like... Broadway sneakers or Canal sneakers or something like that? Or Canal Jean Company? Yeah, Canal Jean Company's right there. I mean, like, that's that's kind of like streetwear before there was a name called streetwear, right? Well, it's just even crazy that you said, you know, your your parents would let you kind of wander around because um, that neighborhood, after like six o'clock, it just goes dead. Yeah. So you'd be able to just kind of walk around. Mm -hmm. There'd really be no one to bother you. It was kind of a ghost town. And really, it was a neighborhood that people didn't even know about until mid-90s or something. Yeah. You know, a lot of my friends, I would tell them where I lived and they had no idea where that was. They didn't even think it was Manhattan. <laughs> right. You know, and then it turned into something else. Yeah. I used to get my hair cut at Astor Place. Oh, man. Own. I actually wanted to make a trip while, before I uh I think it's I changed left. now. Really? Because, well, you know, it, it's hard to find a good uh, a good haircut in L.A. Because yeah. they're just a little too gentle on your head. I, I want my you head want sla- some, I want yeah. to get slapped around a little bit. You know? <laughs> right. And then they put the it. isopropyl rubbing alcohol on your head <laughs> exactly. right afterwards. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I got, like, hustled on my first three-card money, like, around there. Like, mm-hmm. that's the best. Oh, and then there was that uh, that mixtape spot on, like, 3rd Ave and St. Mark's. Yeah, like, yeah. Jibo the Pro and stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. No, that's the best. That, that breeding ground of, like, New York City is just there's nothing like that yeah so the fact that you got your upbringing there is pretty amazing i mean listen i think that really has turned me into the person that i am because it was just like constant stimulus where there was yeah. visual um it was just all around you mm-hmm. and, and it was something that you know i you know i went to high school on the upper west side mm-hmm. and i remember that the kids used to make fun of me because i didn't match my clothes didn't match mm-hmm. and then th- that was like the time the time period that i started to realize that i was different yeah. because of the area of town that i came from uh-huh. and at the time i was probably a little bit more embarrassed of it there was this kid uh what was his name jose ortiz that was really? his name that was his really? name jose <laughs> ortiz was his name and he was he was a year older and he was me for halloween and he was wearing Whoa. he was wearing mismatched sneakers <laughs> 
and like he just looked ridiculous and i was so embarrassed you know at the time i was super embarrassed it became a costume meme S- super before memes were invented yeah yeah but i mean if you but if you look back on it though there was an older kid dressing up as me so right you know there's some impact i guess some influence influence happening. that's what i was looking for yeah <laughs> um so was sneakers always a thing back then for you even at a young age always the thing i don't even know if it was necessarily design but it was just like what i was interested in um, was it from sport or was it from the it was basketball it was rap it was tv because okay. you know seinfeld mm-hmm. will smith like jerry you know, seinfeld the og the og <laughs> you know yeah. but even like even if you look at any fresh prince episode like will is and, and a lot of times if you tell me an episode i could tell you what shoe he was wearing like wow. even the episode where he like went back into the house and it was all empty he's wearing uh white on white carolina 11 you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. there's almost sneakers that align with like scenes on that show but it was just that, and, and, and you know, sneakers are kind of like sculptures, uh-huh. so I just strangely had this, like, connection to them, and they made me feel a certain way when I put them on, yeah. and back then, it really was this kind of, like, underground thing that you really had to, like, do your research, so there was this amazing sense of discovery, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I remember seeing A-Life in a magazine for the first time, seeing mm-hmm. all that mahogany wood and, and, and red carpet, it looked like a, like a, like a regal, like, yeah. you know, display of where I'd never seen before, and then searching for it, you know, like... Mm-hmm. LES exploring through like at the time dangerous LES and then like hoping you don't get mugged on the way back Mm -hmm. trying to find Nome de Guerre yeah being told it's like like under a swatch shop but you don't know like you know just there there was something really like emotional that existed back then yeah I feel like an old guy yeah saying that you know I think those times are gone maybe I just I'm looking at it through different eyes but uh but yeah it was a really fun time there was a whole circuit of sneaker stores and you know, you would just go to like see them. It was like experiential. You know, it wasn't. You didn't even necessarily to go to buy things. Yeah. Or you couldn't even afford to get things, but just to see it right. and be there. And we weren't even going for like an Instagram photo. We no, were just going just for absorbing to for yeah to yeah. for the, the just the the experience. Right. Yeah. You know. Did you think back then that like this is going to be a career for you? I mean, you know, I've been applying to Nike since I was like twelve years old. <laughs> <laughs> so like writing them letters. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. It was definitely something that I wanted to be a part of. You know what I mean? Uh, right. I didn't know to what extent. Because at the time, it wasn't design talent that I thought I was displaying. It was just, like, artistic talent. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I can draw sneakers. So, like, you know, fuck with me. You mm-hmm. know, because I can draw sneakers. Um, <laughs> and uh, that never happened. You know yeah. what I mean? That's definitely one of the the first loves in my life that I was never able to conquer. That I'm, I'm now happy. I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. But for the longest time, uh, really bothered me a lot. You know, to, to sometimes see my peers get to go there. Um, I worked with this girl, Jin Hong, at uh, Cole Han, mm-hmm. and we worked under this guy, Jeff Henderson, and uh, he was this old Nike guy. He worked, was there for 15 years, and we both were at Cole Han for about three years, and then afterwards, uh, Jin ended up getting a job at Nike, mm-hmm. and at the time, the amount of rage that I felt, <laughs> like, you, you know, you'll never understand. But you were at Cole Han when it was under Nike. It was, yeah, exactly. Well, I was, I was there for three years when it was under Nike, and then they sold us. Okay. So that was like this kind of um, period of uncertainty. <laughs> yeah, like I yeah. was told that I was safe, but you know, this was my, this is, I'm only like three or four years out of college. So this is my first time seeing like, I guess what you'd call a corporate takeover. Right. And like, I don't know what the hell's going to happen. I'm just happy to like, you know, make my drawings become real. Like mm-hmm. I'm just tripping off that still. So. Okay. So where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to college at Syracuse University. Okay. Um, industrial design. Industrial design. Why industrial design? Is that like the closest you could get to shoe design? Well, so I just, fashion just felt a little, I don't want to say less serious, but it was just like, it felt a little too apparel based. Uh And then, so my parents were like, you know, I had a bunch of artistic talent. I could draw, I could paint, I could like look at something and make it, Mm -hmm. I could draw something exactly the same. 
but they just wanted to make sure I didn't like major in drawing or painting. And okay. that's not to say that you can't make money doing that, but it's a little harder. So they were like, you're going to either major in architecture or you're going to major in industrial design. Mm-hmm. Architecture was very rigid. So I was yeah. like, you know, let me go the industrial design route. And I thought it was really cool because you can make anything. Mm-hmm. And now um, going back to what you were saying about, you know, we, living in a time where people can do, do so many different things and it's, um, you know, you increase your value by being able to wear more hats. Yeah. Um, I really think industrial design has turned me into kind of like a design renaissance man because, uh, you know, I have a strong understanding of product, but then mm-hmm. I also obsess over typography and I understand white space. And I think that, you know, all of these these attributes are kind of what make up my uh, design chops. Right, and it's right. important to be able to sit in a room with different people and be able to, I guess, you know, participate in different conversations. Hearing Salehi begin to break down his pre-Versace days makes you start to think that maybe this was all destined for him. Growing up in downtown New York City, exploring all of the different cultures that it had to offer, it was like a breeding ground and the start for his love of sneaker culture, all the while honing that artistic eye. Soon, it would just be a matter of fine-tuning his craft, and looking back now, doing it with the real intent of being marketable for sneakers. There are so many tracks you can take when being creative. For example, with me, when I decided to go to art school, I had to start in foundation, which is like all the basics, 2D drawing, color theory, composition, typography, etc. Then decided that I wanted to do product design, and I was doing it. But a fateful day where my admissions counselor saw the posters and artwork that I had plastered all over my walls made her say, what are you doing in product design? You should be in communications design. That would kind of change the course of my life, to be honest. The point is, with creativity or design, you can meander. In fact, you should treat design like a buffet where you can sample different fields and decide which one is best for you. Or maybe decide you just want to mix them all together. But for Salehi, he always knew where he wanted to land. If it wasn't a swoosh, it had to at least be in footwear. He's proof that every decision you make can lead you to a different path. And sometimes it's not always forward. Sometimes it's sideways. And sometimes it's even backwards. But even though there are some forks or detours along that path, it's the culmination of your past experiences that will ensure you end up where you need to be. Did you have odd jobs going in, like high school, college era? Did you intern at places or anything like that? My first ever shoe job was uh, this spot called Shane and Sean, these two twins. I don't, I'm not sure if their company still exists anymore. I think they do consulting work, but mm-hmm. it was this, this shop over on like uh, Mulberry Street. It's like a design of, studio? No, they ha- it was a design or studio a in the back, shop. and it was a shop. Okay. And it was like their whole aesthetic was kind of like rocker, like so far from what I was trying to be a part of. But uh-huh. I just thought it was really important to just get my feet wet and just uh, experience it. Yeah. And then it was funny even because like even though that wasn't my aesthetic, I think I started drinking the Kool-Aid and like maybe three months later I was like I like put together this whole presentation and I was pretty confident they were going to give me a job. And I like sat him down. And I was like, all right, this is, you know, I was just showing him a bunch of like ballpoint, like, you know, pin drawings thinking this was it. Right? Yeah. And then I presented it to them and they, they told me no. And I was crushed and like I didn't really want to work there. But, you know, I was just, <laughs> this is my first job. I'm getting a paycheck. I'm seeing my like two dimensional drawings, you know, mm-hmm. go from paper to tangible. And that in itself, you know, walking down the street and seeing someone in my work, like to a designer is like, as I'm sure you know, is mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. Um, to this day, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. So um, 
that was the first one. And then, you know, in college, I worked at like a yoga studio. My, some friends of mine opened this yoga studio. They're like, you want to work the desk? I was like, sure. Mm-hmm. Just make some extra bucks. But um, a lot of the time, it was, it was really just like focused on like design. Okay. Yeah. And then like the first gig out of college was Payless. Wow. Yeah. I bet there's not too many people who have worked at Payless and Versace. You there's, might be the only human. <laughs> so there's, there's actually a, some story on like footwear news. I forget where it is, but it says how a designer went from Payless to Versace. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Yeah, you the, must be the only guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, again, just like I was just trying to get my feet wet and I just wanted to like start building up that uh-huh. resume. Because, you know, you, in college you hear that like you essentially are your resume. Yeah. And I just thought that, you know, my portfolio was strong. I felt like I had talent, but I just wanted to be able to put some names on there. And so mm-hmm. I knew that by getting into Payless that would make me just look a, a little bit better to the next thing. Right. And it I, was a stepping stone. It was a stepping stone, 100%. Right. Um, Payless was on, was it, where was it? It was on like 18th and 5th. Right. Yeah, right around there. I've been there. to that office. Yeah, yeah. We did a, we did a, like a three-year project with Payless. I think I, I think I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Yeah, It yeah. was with Airwalk. I do remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Were remember you there that. at that time? So this was, I graduated 2009, so this was 2009, 2010. Okay. I think we might have been before. Yeah. Before that. Yeah. I, it's funny. I actually, maybe like, Six months into the job, or no, I was, I was only there for like three months. I ran into uh, to Kanye, not at Payless. Well, it was lunchtime. Uh huh. Um, this was before I figured out how to dress in the professional environment. Yeah. So I'm wearing like you know square toe dress shoes, mm-hmm. pleated slacks that right. don't fit me, like super long, you know, like uh, Oxford shirt. Uh-huh. And I'm just like walking around to go to lunch. I see Kanye in a taxi. Okay. This is back when you never see Kanye. This is kind of pre-social media, right? Uh-huh. So. I'm like, oh, shit. The cab turns the corner. Two blocks later, he gets out. So I book it down the block, right? He's walking into a building. I'm like, Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. I'm a designer. Put me on. Please, please put me on. And he turns around. He looks at me. He gives me the up and down. I described what I was wearing. So, you know, he probably didn't like what he saw. (laughs) But then he had had Don C. take my information. So I'm thinking I made it, right? I ran back to Don C. was with him. Don C. was with him and maybe one other dude. I run back to my desk thinking I'm waiting for the email, like, you know, welcome to Donda, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and nothing came. But uh, Nothing ever came. Nothing ever came. At, but, that, po- yeah, at that point, nothing came. At that point, nothing came. But then, I don't know, what, seven years later or something like that? Right, Full right. circle moment, yeah. Did it, does he remember that story? No, because I told him. <laughs> does Don I, C even remember? I, it's funny. I haven't spoken to Don C about it, but because um, his office is in, is in my building. But um, I told I, sp- I told Ye about it, and he, he wasn't that amused. I mean, considering the amount of people that probably come up to him being like, yo, I yeah, met hour. you. Yeah. I met you two years ago. <laughs> right, like, right. who cares, you know? So, but it was crazy, though. That's it was definitely, crazy. yeah, full circle. How long were you at Payless? Payless was short-lived. I mean, I'd have to pull up my LinkedIn, but I would say three or four months. Oh, wow. It's super short. Okay, super what was short. Next? Kohan? So, right after that, I went to this spot called Fortune Footwear that was in Tribeca. Uh-huh. Again, educational moment. They made, uh, they did a lot of licensee work. So, I was doing, like, Steve Madden, Birkenstock. Beyonce's mom had a brand like what was it called like House of Darion or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. So I was working on licensing, like, and licensing. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was working on a, a good six or seven brands, and wow. again, but it was women's heels, right? And like the, my dream is to be like designing Kobe's. So I'm like, I'm <laughs> so, so far. far from where I want to be. Well, it's weird to most people. Like you're in the same world. Like oh, you're doing footwear, exactly. But to you, you're like, no, I'm like 80 light so years far, away. so so far, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, but at the same time. Because this is a culture where they're like biting high fashion brands. When I say mm-hmm. that, I mean like a Steve Madden. Yeah. I'm, I'm like learning how to say Givenchy or Balenciaga. Right. Right. Because right. when I first started, I was like, yo, those Givenchy's over there, right. pass them here. Versace. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> so, 
you know, that again, it was education. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily the happiest. I wasn't really like telling people what I was doing, but right. I was in footwear and I was learning. But then simultaneously, like four blocks away, Dame Dash is opening up a space called DD172. Okay. On Dwayne Street, which is coincidentally two blocks away from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. So I walk by and I'm just like confused because, you know, Tribeca is like a kind of a quaint neighborhood, you know, and just I saw the diversity. I saw the beauty. I saw the, the creativity. And I was just like, what is this? I want to be a part of this. Because to me, in my head, the professional workspace was about like, you know, khakis and like, you know, yeah. gray walls. So like yeah. to see this, I was like, this is a this is a workspace. I've heard of DD172, but I don't I never knew what they did out of that space. So it was really like the way he described it, he said it was kind of like an Andy Warhol factory. Okay. So, you know, they were doing photography, they were doing fashion, they were doing music, they had these under 100 parties where um, there would be performances in the basement, but because of the fire code, it would have to be under 100. People. One, yeah, under okay. 100 people. So it was like, you know, Currency and most stuff would perform, and it was just these little intimate performances. And it kind of, it was surreal, because it's like, I grew up too, but like things weren't happening like yeah. this, you know. So I was just like, how can I be, like, become a part of this? It wasn't even necessarily like a footwear opportunity, but I'm like, you know, I'm coming off a of Payless, and then I'm coming off of designing shoes and malls. I'm Maybe the... The goal, maybe I lost a little lost sight of the goal a little bit for a second. I was mm-hmm. just like, I want to be a part of this. This looks fun. Like maybe right. fun started to outweigh the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, how are you getting involved? You're just like hanging out. So I first started <laughs> like, like being the annoying person. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. I just I just started kind of showing up and like at the time I was carrying around this like wood briefcase. That was my way to get like noticed. Uh-huh. Um, and it's actually funny. I was at when at Payless. This dude Kevin Le- uh, Leung. Do you know him? Yeah, from Fat Farm. One hundred. Yeah. So he comes in and. He's like apparently consulting or something, and he, his whole his whole fit was just clean, uh-huh. and he's he's carrying this wood briefcase. I'm like, yo, who is this guy? Yeah. And apparently he was there to get a check to you know do some consulting, but that was low key what inspired the wooden briefcase. Uh-huh. Um, so I would just go you know just go through DD172 and try to get seen. Kind of this was yeah. like the early early, but it days. wasn't a store, right? Not really. I mean, you know, they would do like maybe some Adidas, you know, kind of launch where there uh-huh. might be a, a, a few T-shirts for sale on the front. Okay. But it was a super just casual environment mm-hmm. where there were constantly people working on things. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, he had, uh, he, I think he had like a little like record label out of there too. It was called like Black Rock or Blue Rock or something. And he, there was a rock element to it. Mm-hmm. Stally, Currency. There was a lot. There was a lot going on. Yeah. And for me, you know, these are some of the people that, you know, most F. I was and am a huge fan of, and to just see him was like, fuck shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm here now, you yeah. know? So I just did that, and then eventually I got cool with the graphic designers, uh, David Chang and David Barnett. You know those guys? China. China. Yeah, China. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I only know China. China. Well, David Chang is China. Yeah, that's I'm China. not being racist. No, 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 that's no, China. His nickname David is China. China. Yeah. And, then, uh, <laughs> and then David Barnett, he was like the other illustrator. So basically, um, I went to uh, Dwayne Reed and got one of those TV dinner tables. Uh-huh put it in their office and I was like I work here now guys and and I I started working there yeah and I and like I don't I think they kind of respected you quit it the the other job well, so that's what started like I was I started spending more time there than I was at the job and then yeah. I started working on things for Dame at my other job okay cuz I was inspired you know what I yeah, mean yeah. like so um eventually that job fizzled out mm-hmm. and then I was 100 I was a uh, one hundred percent of my time was going to DD172 okay and so how was it like working for Dame you know, it's interesting. Our relationship has evolved. At the time, he, I was scared, right? This is, <laughs> yeah. this is Dame Dash, boardroom Dame Dash. Um, I feel like he's always on the verge of ripping your head off. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he doesn't fuck around, you know what I mean? And he's a, he's a New Yorker, so yeah. he's not taking shit. 
Um, so I respect it. He has a lot of wisdom. And so at the time, I was I was definitely a little scared. Uh-huh. Currently, he's he's a, a resource of wisdom for me. You know, um, while I work, I like to w- listen to a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. and you know, as a way to kind of just you know have something on in the background. And I would listen to a lot of Dame Dash interviews. He has yeah. a great Breakfast Club one I recommend. Uh-huh. And uh, and then I had a, and then I realized I was like, oh wait a minute, I know him. Right. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, me, I know this let guy. Let me get yeah. some gyms in person. So you know, I I kind of just like reached back out uh-huh. and I gotta go visit his. He has a studio in the. Pasadena or something. I don't, I don't know LA. I've lived there for four years. I still don't know where the hell I am at the time. Um, but yeah, he, Dame is a, is a great guy. Didn't he move to LES for like Poppington? So he had Poppington, which seemed like the the offshoot of what DD-172 yeah, yeah. was. That was seemed to be more of like an art gallery. Uh-huh. And then I know he did a few movies at the time, which I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, need to, I need to check him out. Yeah, and uh, and then I know he recently just he just started like a twenty four hour TV network. He's he's always on something, and like I'm really yeah. inspired by those types of people. Again, going back to what you said about wearing different hats, like whether it's like a Kanye or a Dame, mm-hmm. to just be able to dip your feet in like different anything you want. Anything yeah. you want. I mean, you you want to be careful to not be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like there's so many you know different outlets. Um, to create there's so many different ways to get money so you're really doing yourself a disservice if you can only do one thing yeah 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 how was um financially speaking mm. like going from pay less to what was it called the, the second place fortune footwear fortune footwear yeah. to dd 172 like was that a pay cut uh yes i would probably say a little <laughs> bit but you know strangely at the time though um and this sounds crazy to say it wasn't really about the money because i was just happy to make a check it was like as long as i'm I have income so that this little blue card in my wallet keeps working when I use it, uh-huh. then I'm happy. You know what I mean? Um, but then, like, you know, the whole Dame thing introduced, like, oh, wow, like, I can make money and I can have fun. Like, this is different. Right. Because at the two previous jobs, it was like I wasn't necessarily the happiest I'm making a paycheck, but it's like I'm just, like, uncomfortable in this corporate setting. I'm working on product that I don't even like. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, this was the first time that I was like, wow, like, I'm having fun. I'm making some money. And I feel like a little cool doing it. Okay. Yeah. But then you got a real job again after that. So I got a real job again after that. (laughs) What happened? So tell us what happened. Why? So um, I would just say that, again, going back to maybe the analogy of it being like an Andy Warhol type factory, maybe it lacked a little... um, Structure. Structure. (laughs) Structure, I would say. Um, Like where paychecks come in on the regular? Or or just just even... I, I wouldn't say that necessarily, but it's just more like when it really is about the creativity and it really is about... Um, the art, the, the art and yeah. the execution, then like, you know, and there's really literally no suits around. Like uh-huh. this is, it's just creative. Yeah. So sometimes when it's just creatives, like you, you lack that. Uh, right. It's a little bit of like, what was the one where the, the kids take over the whole island? Oh, uh, Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. bit like that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Where mm-hmm. like the renegades just have control. Absolutely. Like everyone hates suits, mm-hmm. but sometimes you need a little bit of like... Yeah, you need one in the room. Yeah. <laughs> just one, just one. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So, okay, so you felt a little bit like, I mean, what, you were just having too much fun? Like, there was just no structure at all? You wanted some no, structure I would back? just say, you know, again, the passion was sneakers, and it was like, you know, we were doing some stuff with Adidas where I was kind of getting to, like, work on things that probably at the time I was fronting that I had way more involvement than I did just because I was trying to, you know... Step make, up. Step up, yeah, make yeah, myself yeah. look valuable, you know what I mean? Right. Um... But it really wasn't footwear, footwear. So that, you know, I probably maybe started getting a little bored. Things, you know, things shine a little brighter when you first see them and then mm-hmm. you get used to them. Yeah. So it was time to kind of get back to uh, footwear. Footwear. And that was what? Kohan. Okay, cool. So Kohan was, I would say, was probably the first big opportunity. Yeah. Um, so 
I first got the gig where I was just kind of uh, freelancing. I was like a freelancer where I was maybe there for two months, mm -hmm. there to help out with CAD work, you know, color up, something like that. My second day, there's this tall guy walking around with a pair of like one of one Jordan ones I'd never seen before. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, who is that? Mm -hmm. I find out it's this guy. His name's Jeff Henderson. He worked at Nike for 15 years. He just joined Cole Haan and he's starting an innovation team. Mm -hmm. My eyes get huge, right? Yeah. Because now, at first, I'm in Cole Haan, you know, boring brown shoes and wingtips. Right. No disrespect, but again, for me being the sneaker lover, that's how, that was my perspective. And then all of a sudden, guy from Nike, yeah. starting innovation, innovation team. Yeah. Innovation, the right. magic word. And we're going to use Nike technology. Like, that's, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, all of a mm -hmm. sudden, I'm like, I've now, I've now almost like reached where yeah. I want to be. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We're like, so. <laughs> You're like, I can grab it. I can, I can touch it, it, right? I can smell it. So. I hear he's going to do a tour around the office, and um, I had some sketching abilities, so I opened up my sketchbook, and I just slid it to the end of my desk, uh -huh. trying to essentially get him to see it as he was walking around. <laughs> awesome. That, that's viral marketing at its best. So, you like you drop the notebook. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it. Was oh, my, can you pick that I up? Made, I put it, it was like blatantly on the edge of my so desk. So he would like tip it. Like, I, yeah, yeah, with color and everything. So he walked by. Did it work? It worked. It worked. He walked by. He saw it. We spoke for like a second, and then he kept it moving. He, you know, Jeff is a is is a one hundred percent chess player, so he definitely didn't like let me see that he liked the work or anything like that. <laughs> so when he walked away, I didn't even know if it, you know, it worked. Uh -huh. But uh, I don't know. So we, what he he asked you to be on the innovation team. Asked me to be on the innovation team. So it was me, him, and then um, the girl I mentioned earlier, Jin Hong, who's now at Nike, and we were the innovation team. And, and wow, and it was like. A completely unexpected opportunity. We're getting to use, you know, lunar foam yeah. and air bubbles. And That's where the Lunar Grand came yeah, out. Yeah, so right? we created the Lunar Grand. Yeah. Um, Jeff was the design director on that project. And yeah, that that in itself was crazy. You mm -hmm. know, I'm I'm expecting to do like, you know, hard bottom wingtips. And a few yeah. months later, like I'm like in Oregon, like figuring out how we're gonna like change the face of like Kohan innovation. You know, yeah. it's like a And if you think about it, like that silhouette of the Lunar Grand mm -hmm. to this day. Like is one of the newest icons of footwear. Like I'm not trying to overstate it, but mm -hmm. like if you think about like the Chuck Taylor, Jack Purcell, Air Force One, if you just look at the outline of the Lunar Grand, mm -hmm. it's like a staple in footwear, period, for decades. Like if you work at a nine to five job and mm -hmm. you have to look somewhat corporate, that shoe is like your Air Jordan. Well, it was an amazing shoe because not only, you know, it, it solved for function. For mm -hmm. the longest time, like dress shoes represented being uncomfortable. It yeah. was like, you know, church. A wedding or a funeral, right? right? And like, as soon as you got home, you had to like, you wanted to rip them off. Yeah. And they were the worst. And to create a shoe that, you know, got the respect of a formal uh, piece of footwear, but then at the same time felt like a sneaker was kind of revolutionary. There was so much pushback. A lot of people didn't understand it. From Cole internally? I don't or? want to point fingers, but I would just say people involved, there was yeah. pushback. Um, and just because they didn't understand it. Uh -huh. And people don't like what's different. People don't like change. Yeah. Um, but... Going back to what you said, I do think it was super revolutionary, and I think that so much trickled down from it. Mm -hmm. um, this was right around the time that like Mark McNary was doing all those like colored EVA outsoles, so yep. I would say that kind of like fit within the uh, the narrative. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was a really special time. Were you there when um, Fragment did one? Yeah, so we did the Fragment. So and and I think that this you know this whole Lunar Grand experience was kind of what helped educate me on how you introduce a piece of footwear but then all the extra bells and whistles you add to it mm -hmm. to get it over the wall yeah. so you know the the shoes created it's a beautiful piece of uh design work mm -hmm. and then it the next step is like how do we give it momentum so we did like a fragment collaboration mm -hmm. um 
Who else did we collaborate with? I'm like forgetting. Was there a mastermind? I don't think there might or maybe undercover. There was an all black one. I forget. Um, yeah. But again, Jeff like having those like Nike relationships, right. so like he he knew the right people at the time. And really being the sneaker obsessed person I was, I didn't even know who Hiroshi was. Mm. And I remember I actually I walked, I was like coming back from lunch and I saw him sitting on the couch and he was wearing some like unreleased Nikes, not knowing who he was. I was like, oh, can I take a picture of those? And he was like, no. <laughs> so like, but, but yeah, I got son. But he, you know, he, he uh, we, we met later and he, he seemed like a good dude. But um, yeah, I had to be educated on, on who he was at the time. <laughs> he's the best. No, he's a good dude. I was hanging out with him once at um, the Mercer Hotel in the lobby and this guy comes up. And he's like, oh, Hiroshi-san, I just want to introduce myself. He's bowing so deep. I've never seen a man bow so much. <laughs> Finally, he puts his head up. He's like, my name is Travis, Travis Scott. I just, and this was like this year. Oh, wow. Yeah, really? and Hiroshi's like, oh, nice to meet you. Like, didn't even move. <laughs> It was dope. That's fucking great. <laughs> All right, so um, you're at Kohan. Mm. It sounds like it's, you're pretty happy. Very happy. And you're Very at the happy. doorstep of Beaverton. Did Doors? you get to go to Beaverton? Got to go to Beaverton oh, a you few did. times. Nice. Um, to campus. Got to go to campus. Got to meet Tinker. Um, one of my biggest regrets is uh, right before we went into the kitchen or, or actually the, the, or the jungle. The jungle okay. was like the thing behind that, right? <laughs> right. Um, my boss, Jeff, was like, don't ask Tinker for a picture. I want him to view you as a designer and not a fanboy. <laughs> and I, and like, I kind of regret that to this day because I would love to have a, a picture of Tinker, <laughs> me as like a young designer, you know, wide-eyed, but whatever. Um Oh, you must have felt like I'm so close right now. Oh, like, so close. And and then the craziest thing was um, maybe three or four months into the opportunity, he was like, I think I can get you in at Nike. But then strangely, I was like, I kind of want to stay here. Because like I had this like Yoda-like teacher. Mm -hmm. We're working with Nike stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, it was strange. I kind of just wanted to you stay. felt good. Yeah. I felt good. Yeah. It was New York too, right? It was New York. Yeah. Um, it just, it felt comfortable. And then it was like a small team. So we, we had a lot of influence. But then at the same time, since we were innovation, I was told that about 70 to 80% of what we make wasn't going to see the light of day. Mm -hmm. And for a young designer that all it's I want yeah. is to see my things on, you know, my designs <laughs> on people's feet. That was like the worst thing to hear. But again, I'm getting educated. I'm getting to work on product. Yeah. And it's it's like Nike adjacent. Right. So I feel like it's like I'm almost like what, what's like the D League team for like or the G League team for like the Knicks, right? Like <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. almost there, you know? Right. Well, not the Knicks, but. Yeah. Not, yeah. not G League. Better. Better than that. You were <laughs> yeah. in the under the umbrella. You exactly. Were the, under exactly, the swoosh exactly. umbrella. I'm yeah. like on the practice team or something. But I mean, like, talk about the importance of the art of like just dabbling, mm -hmm. like from pay less. To like Steve Madden license shit to Dame and then now to Colhan Innovation. Mm -hmm. And this is all in a span of like just to give perspective, like from Payless to Colhan, how long were we like talking? Like five years, maybe? Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So but at the time though, I didn't really necessarily think I was like loading up my bag, like my arsenal. Mm -hmm. It was more like I was just kind of uh I guess trying to tackle the next obstacle you know mm -hmm. I, I looking back i'm like oh i was educating myself and oh these were all stepping stones but back then it was more like okay i need like a check and i need to like right you it know felt, it was just it was just a hustle yeah back then. It was but a now hustle. you're like yes i was sampling exactly all exactly of <laughs> yeah like, well now i can like actually look back and kind of like like uh analyze analyze yeah. it and i've now had the opportunity a few times to to discuss it and yeah. i've been able to kind of think you know i think a I lot of um a lot of times the younger generation of people coming up in the creative professional world mm -hmm. feel like a lot of anxiety and or like sort of commitment to like, I'm going to do this one thing and it's got to be my thing. Mm -hmm. And they won't 
take the step forward to even experiment or try or fail. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is because there's so much like fucking visibility nowadays where like, like if you're a kid coming out of art school and your first job is pay less and it's on your LinkedIn and on your IG profile, like I could see people being like, nah, I'm not doing that. Like I'm too, you know, like there's a lot of pride and ego now. Well, these days, I mean, everything's about like image yeah. and perception. So like, it's strange because, you know, if I, if I worked at Payless mm-hmm. now, I don't think it'd be all over my Instagram, right? But, like, back then, I didn't have to worry about that. It was no. just, like, that was my job. My immediate group of friends maybe knew. Mm-hmm. And they were just, like, happy to see that I had a job, yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, But now image is, like... Image so is such a huge thing. And then, yeah. strangely, I, I almost disagree. I think that these days, you know, you see a kid's Instagram, and it says photographer, model, creative director. Yeah. And now I almost think that sometimes people don't value what it is to you know, master a craft, oh, okay. you know, the yeah, 10,000 yeah. 10, hour rule, right? Like, right. And, uh, they have one hour in 10,000 things. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which is also a plus. There's, it's a, a, there's a plus. In I, that. I, I think it's important to know a little bit about a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can, you know, you, you, uh, you just add more to your repertoire of, of information. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, let's say the world's ending and we need a carpenter. Where's that carpenter? At, right? <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. I could DJ, though. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If it's Serato. <laughs> Salehi's resume is so interesting and great because what it reads is as someone who has a level of patience, perseverance, humility, and the ability to act like a sponge in any situation he finds himself in. At this point in his career, if I came from the future and said, Salehi, you're going to be at Versace, he himself wouldn't believe me. But life is an everyday grind, isn't it? Trust me, Salehi didn't know he was building blocks towards a dream career. He was hustling, grinding, just in it, living paycheck to paycheck, trying to find a balance of job satisfaction, decent money, and a personal life. Just like most of us listening right now this second. What's important is that no matter what situation you're in, you are able to take the very best asset of each situation and parlay that into prepping for the next step. The dream job might be a faraway journey or it might be 24 hours away. Nobody knows. Nike was always in Salehi's sights, but how does that look like sitting at a desk at Payless? Even being at the literal doorstep of Nike, meeting Tinker Hatfield, he felt at the same time close, but miles away. And I love that even when his mentor gave him the chance to go, he chose to stay in the pocket at Kolhan. Being mindful of what each role means to you is laying down the path to that dream job. So Leahy said it, at that moment, this was just a hustle. But now he's able to analyze it and see it as stepping stones. Hopefully, right now in your life, you can see it that way as well. How do you finally make the departure out of Kohan? So Kohan, we're sold. um, Out of Nike. Yeah, Nike sold Nike sells us to um, Apex Group, I think it was called. Like a private equity. Private equity. Um, and then it's like, uh, did you see that Ben Stiller Disney movie, The Heavyweights? Mm-hmm. 
You know when they're like they're all in the auditorium and then the, the lights turn down yeah. and then the music starts playing and uh-huh. Ben Stiller starts comes out and it just feels like the whole like culture is changing. Uh-huh. That's what it felt like. It yeah. was just gone. It went it's from changed. like yeah. you know youthful Nike design led innovation blah 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 to just like corporate. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, but I'm now moved from the innovation team to the men's design team, mm-hmm. which at the time didn't seem like that big of a deal, um, but just things changed. I'm working with different people. I feel like I've kind of lost. Um, the respect that I've gained, because in that three years being a young designer, I had to kind of prove myself through, you know, execution, design, mm-hmm. and just uh, a history of, of Was projects. Jeff Henderson still there? Jeff Henderson's still there. Um, and then I'm, I get an offer from this brand that I don't want to say. Feel free to look to my look at my LinkedIn, <laughs> but they offer me six figures for the first time, which at the time I'm like I'm rich. Like, yeah. Forget, that's the, that's you, you the know, barometer of success. Yeah, yeah, at that First time. Barometer, exactly. Yeah. I'm like six figures. Psst, I'm good, <laughs> right? So I'm like, okay, the storm clouds are rolling in over here. Mm-hmm. And then over here, this this company is offering me more money than I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's not even remotely what I, again, going back to like wanting to get to a Nike, it's not remotely where I want to be, okay. the kind of product I want to be working on, but the yeah. money's right. And I'm like, let's just like see how this goes. Because it's still footwear, right? Uh-huh. Um, Can you just say the company and we'll beep it out? Yeah, it's called the... <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 All right. So, so that was the name. What uh, kind of... I've never heard of this brand. So they make crochet footwear, right? Um, it's sold in like Macy's, like the entire like business. Like Espadrille type stuff? Like? But no, they'll literally make like a sneaker, but it's like crochet. Like that's their business. Like wow. they actually... That like, could almost be super fly too. Right? Like, well, I, that's... I, part of me was like... I, I was trying to like, yeah, right. I was like, I can maybe make this kind of cool. Like uh-huh. if I, you know, and um, it just wasn't that. And it was like basically a family business. So like a lot of the like rules and uh, regulations of a normal office place, I felt like weren't really happening. And mm-hmm. it just was like a little backwards. So, you know, I, I was kind of trying to get out of there, you know, pretty soon or okay. pretty quickly. Yeah. So then after that, greats is what is where I uh, went. Nice. So... I was very familiar with John Buscemi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, growing up, it was really Nike, Reebok, Adidas, and then all of a sudden, this brand Gourmet comes out. Right? Yep. They release these all canvas Jordans. Yeah. On uh, I think it was Vulcanized outsoles, and they were like super fire. Yep. And with the, the natural color, right? The, all natural. There was canvas. natural, but then there was like purple, and like there was a few colors. I think they did the twelves and maybe like the thirteen. I forget. It was a while, or they, they definitely did the elevens. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it was just different. And yeah. it was kind of like, you know, disruptive, right? Because it, well, it was illegal yeah. as well, right? They got like a season. Yeah, it was super yeah. legal, but but it was disruptive. And it was yep. again just seeing how like footwear can uh, be executed in certain ways and mm-hmm. introduced into the market in certain ways to just completely like get everyone's attention. Like that yeah. was super interesting. And then they started creating their own footwear, yep. the Quadici, that like duck boot with the air bubble on the bottom. And I was like, this this stuff is great. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have a swoosh on it. Like what like so then I figure out, you know, who John is. Mm-hmm. So then fast forward, I hear that he's starting greats. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is amazing, right? Because this is probably the closest I'm going to get to where, where I want to be. I'm going to be able to control it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's small. Like, so I don't have to, like, convince a bunch of people because yeah. I'm coming off of Kohan where it's corporate, right? So you right. have to, it's meetings and CCing and all that stuff. None of that, right? Mm-hmm. So I interview, I get the job. Uh-huh. And then it was great because... This is the first opportunity where I felt like I was doing a little bit more teaching than learning. Yeah. And then not only that. I, oh, because I, they needed your expertise on. I don't know if I call it expertise at the time, but they needed experience. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I had a little bit. And but then I also had relationships. I was getting to facilitate collaboration. So we collaborated with 
um, only. We did a shoot with them. We collaborated with Pierre Moss. So we got our very new um there's secret. a great pierre moss yeah there's a great pierre moss yeah. <laughs> wow it's like a, this italian runner and i don't i couldn't tell you the show but just to even you know this startup sneaker brand like we're on a runway and yeah. and that came from just like the the uh friendship a relationship with kirby mm-hmm. um and uh who else did we collaborate with i forget but you know it, it we were we were doing a bunch yeah. and i felt like i was getting to actually execute my ideas Mm -hmm. whereas in the past it was about either being the pencil for someone else or bringing someone else's ideas to fruition this felt like i really had the reins did you go back below six figure salary Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. So you I went did. to you all stoked yeah. on the six figures. You're yeah. like, fuck. Yeah, I definitely did. There's this weird balance in your life that seems to be a running theme where mm-hmm. it's like the more fun you have, the less money you yeah, make, yeah. and the worse your life is, the more money you make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Is that it, would you say that's just a rule of thumb for all of in the beginning? In the beginning, maybe. You just have to put in your you just your have to put time, you right? have to put in the time and like it's funny because now I speak to a lot of young creators and like I give them the old guy answer of like it's about the journey. Mm-hmm. And like, while that sounds so corny, it is. And then I would say the best piece of advice that like I thought was the dumbest like, you know, thing to hear when I was younger was you can do anything if you put your mind to it. And when people told me that, I'd be like, shut up. Mm-hmm. But like, really, it's true. It's yeah. crazy because it's true, right? Greats is a great brand, by the way, mm-hmm. which ironically, if I'm not mistaken, just got bought by Steve Madden. Just got bought by Steve Madden, yeah. This was maybe... <laughs> so here you are designing for both. <laughs> right? A lot of full you circle moments. You could have facilitated that collaboration that happened. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, okay, so where do you go from greats? So after greats... Um, by the way, you're like the journeyman of like... Yeah, New well, York it's, fu- it's funny because a lot of people <laughs> told like me that... It's seventh uh, job. No, people told me that the amount of time I had spent at those brands in the beginning... You yeah. know, Kohan was a little under three and a half. That was my longest. Mm. But uh, that may not have looked the best on my resume, so... No, it's just, I think yeah. it's learned. Some people do want to stack the resume, and that sounded mm-hmm. like it was your intention. But yeah. I have heard where, like, if your resume is like three pages deep, you mm-hmm. might want to start editing stuff mm-hmm. out because mm-hmm. you look uh, non-committal. Exactly, and that's why maybe again, I don't, maybe I'm indifferent, but that's why I wasn't trying to mention because if I'm trying to be this special Versace designer, I don't know if I want to be talking about crochet sneakers <laughs> and shit, you know, whatever. Yeah, but whatever. I'm, I'm I'm indifferent though. Okay. Um, so, so after greats, so actually, so during greats, okay. I reach out to Rem Coolhouse, whose uncle is the architect, right? Oh, Rem Coolhouse. Not Rem Coolhouse. His, his uncle is the actual, the famous architect. Okay, okay. But then he, his name is Rem Coolhouse as well. Okay. He's the nephew. Okay. And he has a brand uh, called United Nude. Yes. And they make like, I uh, was in Amsterdam right before reaching out. I walk into this store, the, the walls start changing colors. Nothing to do with my activities in Amsterdam. It was just <laughs> a crazy like interior. Yeah. And I just reached out, you know, I'm a big believer in digital fishing and, you know, mm-hmm. our parents had to hand out business cards and we can just like move our thumb to meet people. So um, I reached out and I was like, hey, your brand's amazing. I'm a forward owner. I'd love to like other opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, I'm actually doing a design charrette in a few weeks where I'm going to fly out like five designers from around the world just to like just do like a two week intensive like just idea injection. Right. So he was like, would you would you like to come? So, I've never heard of this. I'm so out of the loop. Yeah, so it's just like, I mean, I've more so heard of them in college, but it's just like you focus on like, I don't know, maybe the water bottle, right? And uh-huh. we just sit here for two weeks and every day everyone is focusing on the water bottle, whether okay. it's like packaging, marketing, whatever. And United Nude was hosting this. They were hosting this. And you just put a bunch of ideas on the okay. wall. And then the the goal is at the end of the week, you have like maybe two or three really strong ideas, yeah. right? So I went out there, 
had a whole lot of really cool work because it was just like there were no rules, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think this was in um, Guangzhou, China. Okay. And so then fast Did you go out on behalf of greats or on behalf of yourself? On behalf of myself. Okay. And I'm, I'm messing up the timing because I don't think I necessarily <laughs> did that when I was a greats employee. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not doing that for interview purposes. I really don't. Yeah, I think that was after. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so I'm having lunch with Jeff. Which Jeff? Jeff Henderson. From oh. Kohan. Wait. Sorry. The, so, so, <laughs> I'm at, the, I'm, so, okay. So I do the United Nude thing. Okay. Come back. Randomly, I'm having lunch with Jeff because we just would catch up every three to four months. Uh -huh. He's like, do you know what I'm doing? I'm like, no. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm designing for Kanye. At that time, I was like, oh. Like in my head, I was like, oh my God. But mm -hmm. he would always sun me for like overreacting. So I just tried to like stay chill. Yeah, yeah. But then. Um, and this is Kanye post Nike? This is, yes, this is Kanye post Nike, but this is like pre anything. I, I don't know, maybe the 750s. I think the 750s have come out, uh -huh. but that was it. It was like, you know, the, the grainy leaked plain photo and then maybe you'd seen him wearing them, but yeah. it was kind of it. So he's like, I'm working for Kanye. Um, he wants someone to come out to LA mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm not in a position to do it. So mm -hmm. um, put together some work. I'll send it to him and we'll see what happens. Okay. I just come off the United Nude thing. I have all this forward innovation or innovative ideas. So I'm like, you know, hopefully he'll like it because it's not just your average, like, you know, lace up. So I send it over. It took a few months. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I got the call to like come out there and like meet him. Right. Wow. So I go out there, go out to the office in Calabasas. They're uh, having some meeting. It was like an Adidas meeting. A bunch of people are there. I come in, I like I stay quiet because I didn't really want to rock the boat. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm super nervous, right? I'm sitting next to like someone I admire on a bunch of different levels, so I just stay quiet. But at the same time, I have some locked and loaded comments like ready to go if I am spoken to, right? Because there there's a there's a shyness, but at the same time, like I'm ready to shoot. Yeah. So he turns to me at some point during the meeting and he was like, "What do you think of all this?" And I just like went off. And like I just like spoke about a bunch, and he and then he just kind of nodded at me, but it seemed like a nod of approval. Uh huh. And then maybe two or three months later, I got the job and moved out to California. But wait, in that in that meeting, mm. was that your interview? It was more just kind of like you know, do we vibe? Do we vibe? Yeah, do we vibe? Like, can you sit in a room and like be okay with the fact that you're sitting next to Kanye West? Can you sit in a room next wow. to like all this product and and because you know. Obviously, there needs to be design talent, but then there's all these other aspects. Yeah, to the, just, intangibles. You know, act like you've been there before kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So wait, when you go to that room, mm -hmm. there's no pre-meeting with Kanye. Like it's sit no. and you're in a big room. It was kind of like double dutch. It was like they were already jumping and they right. were like, get in. Get in. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think if you like held back and just stayed well-mannered and quiet? Um, if, I had, if I hadn't spoken at yeah. all? I probably wouldn't have gotten it because I think uh, he definitely respects a self-starter. He respects someone that is able to execute. Uh -huh. So I think that if you can't even get over the fact that you're sitting next to him, then you can't you, get anywhere. Then think because yeah. you also have to imagine all the other like names and um, usual suspects that you're going to see being around that camp, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to have like balls for for <laughs> lack of a better term. You know the saying, shoot your shot, but know when to shoot your shot. These are the opportunities that you probably won't ever have again. 
These are the moments that you replay in your head over and over thinking, did I say the right thing? Did I say everything that I needed to say? And like Salehi did, once the timing was right, shoot your shot. Sometimes they spring up out of nowhere, but more often you have a good idea that they're coming. And when you know you're meeting with someone like Kanye West or any mogul, time is money. Know when it's go time. They know what they want and they know the type of personality that they want beside them. You just have to show it to them. What got Salehi in at Easy wasn't just his talent. That's what brought him through the door. I'm sure someone like Kanye sees millions of talented people throughout his day. What ultimately landed Salehi the job is A, his timing, and B, his thoughtfulness. You can have the right ideas, but present it at the wrong time or in the wrong manner, and that great idea is just a lump of coal. The last 10 years of Salehi bouncing around from one seemingly random place to another prepared him for this exact second as he sat next to his future boss. He shot, he scored. Don't forget, the moments when you sit back are often the ones that speak loudest in your head. Okay, so it took another few months, mm-hmm. and then you get an email that you got the job. I, get it. I think Jeff told me, actually, because I think until I actually got the job, I was kind of just speaking with Jeff. He was uh-huh. like the middleman, kind yeah, of. Yeah. And then he told me that it was like ready to go, so um, Kanye moved me into a, a hotel in Santa Monica. It was called The Wyndham. They were uh-huh. great, great, great people over there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I lived there for like a month. Yeah, and it was it was surreal because I'm a New Yorker and I'm I'm waking up to the ocean and like mountainsides and right. So it was probably the best way to get you know to uh, move to California to mm-hmm. change the lifestyle. And then I would drive along the ocean up to Malibu, make a right into like the Topanga Canyon, I think it's called mm-hmm. yep. something like that. And then that was surreal driving through mountains. And then I'm like going to my office in the Easy Office. It was a very surreal time. Like, yeah. And what was your mission? Like, what did he task you with right away? Uh, men's footwear. So I was men's footwear, and then I had a, a counterpart. Her name was Lucette Holland. She was from Celine and Peruenza Schuler, mm. and she was uh, heading up the women's. Mm-hmm. And we were essentially there to bring Kanye's ideas to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. And the shoes you did are which ones? Uh, I don't think I should, on the record, claim... claim. Uh, <laughs> you can't say the ones that you worked on? Oh, I, I was there for season three and season four, okay. and I worked on the men's four, so you can uh-huh. do that math. Right. But considering I was there to bring his ideas to fruition, I wouldn't feel comfortable taking credit for, right. for that work. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, these are the shoes. These weren't done by Adi, right? Well, so at the time, there was kind of two businesses. There yeah. was Yeezy and then there was Yeezy Adidas. Uh-huh. So Yeezy was like the military boots, yep. um, the the women's heels, yeah. the loose sight stuff. Yep. That was proper Yeezy made in Italy. Mm-hmm. And then Adidas was $357, $59.50. Um, and then I believe now they've merged. But so... Um, you know, we were t- actually taking trips to, to Italy. I never once went to China. Oh, wow. Um, it was more, you know, on the on the proper Yeezy side. Yeah. Yeah. Was it always like um, a job for you? Or were you at at the same time feeling like this is fucking surreal? It was super, super fucking surreal. I mean, <laughs> I, I remember my first day there, I'm like setting up my office. You know, every designer loves to set up a desk, right? Yeah. You know? But at the same time, it's like a different environment, so I didn't know how much of my personality I was trying to show. But, you know, <laughs> I'm setting up my desk, and all of a sudden, Kanye shows up. This is maybe the second or third time I've ever seen him. 
I'm like, this is insane. Mm -hmm. He's walking towards uh, my office, comes right to me. He's kind of like on his phone. And I'm like, I think I was supposed to show him some designs or something. And then uh, I stopped and I was like, listen, man, this means so much to me. Thank you. Like, I have so many ideas, blah, 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 blah. Just showing gratitude yeah. or whatever, slash introducing myself again. And then he looks up from his phone and he goes, okay, let's change the world. And at the time, like, that was like probably the craziest, like, you know, <laughs> like the yeah. four words right. uh, that I'd ever heard. And I believed it and uh -huh. I was psyched and I was ready to change the world. And that's why even now with some of his initiatives, um, he's not playing around. Like he, this guy like really does believe in this stuff and mm -hmm. it's not marketing and yeah. he really does want to change the world. And, you know, he needs to maybe figure out the ways in which he's going to do it. And mm -hmm. maybe he's further along with some things than others, but he's not joking. And, and if there's one thing I learned from being around him is that he does, you know, want to execute a lot of these ideas. Yeah. yeah. Right. How long were you there for? A little over a year. Okay. Yeah. So season three, season four, season three show was at Madison Square Garden. Surreal. You know, I'm a huge Knicks fan. So to see my work. Yeah. Like on the Jumbotron at the Garden was like right. insane. Was that also, was there one where he premiered it at Randall's Island? That was season five. Oh, okay. So that okay. was after my time. Okay. That was like, it was like on some triangular. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Where um, all the models passed out. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that. This is what I heard <laughs> allegedly. Uh -huh. um, no, I saw it for real. <laughs> okay. Your words, your <laughs> yeah. words. That was Jeff Sable. Yep. I saw um, it. Yeah. So that was season five. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a really surreal time. Uh, the amount of the people that I was around, you, mm -hmm. you, you, you can imagine, it was extremely demanding. Um, but everything happens for a reason, and I really do believe that that time, you know, contributed to the overall uh, journey. Were you getting? Were you starting to get poached by other people now? Like, um, no, because that that job was a little bit more like top secret. Like now, you know, it's it's known that I'm at Versace, um, but back then, like. I don't even think it was on my LinkedIn. The confidentiality agreements were crazy, right? Yeah, well, it, it was maybe less confidentiality, but it was just more like, that was more so just viewed as like distraction. Like, let's get to work. Like, mm. you know, like fuck press, fuck your personal notoriety. Like, you work for this place, yeah. right? So, but it is very secretive to work there, isn't it? Yeah. Like, um, God forbid you post an Instagram post of yeah. inside the office. Oh, for sure. For, for <laughs> sure. I mean, the, the only thing I think I was able to post was like the floor or something. Like, uh -huh. it was definitely... A tight ship for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Was the demands crazy working there? I uh, the most demanding like up until that point for, in your career. Well, I mean, yes, absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. He, you know, he knew what he wanted, and he would make sure to get what he wanted. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, he he's a really good like team builder. He, the the amount of people that have kind of come through that place and now are in way higher positions is like really impressive. And he's he he really is like kind of like Captain Planet, where like he got like. The water guy, the fire guy, Earth. You know right, what I right. mean? Like he got the greatest all, hits exactly. Together, like yeah. and that was kind of like um, it was really inspirational work around that. Uh -huh. And then I was even more so humbled and flattered that uh, he saw me as one of those like captain team captain planet. You right. Know? <laughs> all right. So how do we transition from Yeezy to Versace? So basically, after Yeezy, I was kind of lost. Mm -hmm. And the reason I was lost is because you know in footwear that place was considered to be like the zenith, yeah. right? You know? Yeah. So I was like, what do I do next? Uh -huh. So I, I kind of started just like freelancing at a few brands just to make a check. Yeah. And then that was, a, that was almost like a year because uh -huh. I'm just like, I don't know where to like really like hang up, hang up my hat, right? 
And you were in L.A. Sort in of LA. in a foreign... In a foreign land, there. right? You know, and, and the strange thing is I was so submerged into the Yeezy camp and drinking the Kool-Aid so hard that I'm like after the job, I looked up and I was like, oh, wow, I'm in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? I didn't realize where I was. <laughs> right. Almost, right. You were actually in Yeezy land, not exactly, in Exactly, right? Exactly. No, for sure. So um, about a year passes, I'm just doing odd jobs in design. And then I decide to reach out to Versace. And the way that that happens uh-huh. is I, I, it, I was um, on the toilet, uh-huh. right? And I'm on my phone, as we all are. Yes. And I see, like, in the people you may know or whatever on LinkedIn, I see this Versace design director. And I propose an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Over LinkedIn. Over LinkedIn. Okay. Right? I'm like, and I'll explain the toilet part because that has, that has significance. <laughs> um, so I'm like, listen, like, the sneaker industry is a multi-billion dollar business. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, that consumer has always gone for, like, your Nike Reebok Adidas. Within the last five years, because of the education of you know, collaborations like Raf, Adidas, uh, Comme de Garçon, Nike, now this consumer is aware of the fact that fashion houses can make sneakers and make good sneakers. Mm-hmm. So it's an opportunity for you guys. You have so much heritage, such strong DNA, so much history that, you know, you need to participate. And I didn't think that I would hear back. This mm-hmm. is me literally fishing, you know? Yeah. And then like three days later, I get an email back from and... They emailed they, you they, they emailed me. Okay. And uh, they loved my ideas, and they were like, we want you to come out to Milan and tell them more. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm like a little confused. I didn't see it as a job opportunity. I was like, I guess they just want to speak to me. So Or consult. Consult this, or yeah. something, right? So I'm like, I'm going to go out there with a, a page or two of trend. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin, what Kevin did, come through with the wood briefcase, tell him what I think is cool, right? <laughs> and so strangely, like the week leading up, maybe two weeks past, the week leading up, I had a few influential conversations, right? Mm-hmm. So the first one was like to do some sample design work. Don't assume they know you can design. Put some some free work in there, essentially. And I was a little confused by that, but like design some concepts, like okay. Versace concepts that this is what I think we could do, right? Okay. And then um, I spoke to someone else who was uh, the mom of my friend Itai. He makes like uh, lighters and accessories out of like uh, luxury fabrics. Uh-huh. And I think she, I think she's like an OG, she's an OG in fashion as well. And she basically spoke to me and was like, you need to go to the store, see what's selling, mm-hmm. you know, sh- show them that you've done your research. Yeah, that's great advice. I was also reminded that there aren't too many people that look like me in the high fashion space and then I need to take it seriously. Get and, a haircut. <laughs> you know, but we'll take it seriously and I could be paving the way. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a lot of responsibility. A lot yeah. of responsibility. A lot of responsibility. So with... With all those conversations I had, mm-hmm. what was going to be a two-page presentation turned into a 40-page presentation. Mm-hmm. And wow. I go out to Milan, present to Donatella. She mm-hmm. like, we like hit it off right away. Um, throughout the presentation, she starts bringing in people, I guess, because she liked it. And then um, when I was done, she just hired me on the spot. She was like, I love you. I want you. Like, go talk to HR, essentially. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> um, and then what was even crazier was that... She was like, "What's what will the setup be? Do you want to move here? Do you want to consult?" Like they were very flexible about what like what the setup was. So then I kind of took like you know a shot in the dark, and I was like, "Can I have my own office in LA?" And then I'll travel here once a month for meetings, approvals, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Sure." The that setup, happened on the same trip. The same trip. This happened the same hour. Yeah. Oh my like, God. Uh, so how do you think it would have went down if you just went in with the two pager? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I will say going back to Kanye, I really do think that like, you know, my time with Kanye uh, 
affected like my value kind of, you know, not many people work with Kanye and, and then also not many people bring product to fruition. Right. So, and there's also, I think the, um, the confidence factor, mm -hmm. like after Kanye, even Donatella is like, I can handle this for sure. Right. Yeah. 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 So I think that helped a lot. Right. So if, if I came through with the two pages, I think maybe the conversation would have been like, so maybe Let's what is, think about it. Like, or like, what does design look like now? Like, can you show us what, and then it, it, it would have gotten there. Yeah. It would, it would have made it take a little bit longer, but I think that I, I really hit him over the head with like everything from like wow. sales perspective to just like design ethos and all of that. And again, just going back to like loving sneakers, it wasn't even something that I had to do too much research on. Cause it's like, I breathe this right. Like yeah, it's yeah. in my blood. Did you um, show the chain reaction? No. Dang, that is how you do it. Locked it in right there in that moment. There's one thing to take away from hearing about this meeting. It's to take this shit seriously. If that's not a key point, I don't know what is. Any opportunity that's in front of you, any meeting, phone call, invitation, or interview, take it seriously because that shows how much you really want it. When you're in these meetings and interviews, your perspective, opinion, and work is all that you have to sell yourself. This is essentially what they're looking for. What new, fresh perspective can you bring to the table? What is your opinion on our brand and how can you add value to me? From sales, brand trajectory, concepts, and design, Salehi came ready. If we want to impress somebody, understand that you need to come with this level of preparation and thoughtfulness. Think about the next time you meet someone who could make a difference in your life. And this could be business or personal, to be honest. Ask yourself if you're bringing with you the bare minimum or maybe what's good enough. Or are you coming with what Salehi brought, showing that you are willing to go above and beyond and do whatever it takes. Basically, I get the job. They uh, allow the whole remote working setup. Yep. And then it's like time to get to work. And so I know I'm essentially starting from scratch, right? Mm -hmm. So I realize that I need to create a sneaker that is going to get the attention of the sneaker market, mm -hmm. which is easier said than done. Yeah. So um, I kind of like broke down just like Versace as a brand visually, right? So mm -hmm. I'm like, there's the Medusa, there's the Greca, which yeah. is that kind of, you know, the bracket, the bracket yeah. grid thing. Um, and then there's like chains. Mm -hmm. So obviously the Medusa, there's not much you can do that with that from a functional standpoint. Yeah. And then the Greca is somewhat rigid. So at the time I didn't think I should work with that either. But then I was looking at the chain and I was like, this is a really interesting shape because it's mm -hmm. interlocking and it's like, it's, it's somewhat organic looking. So I started looking at a lot of chains and then I saw the Cuban link chain mm -hmm. and I saw that it was flat and yeah. I was like, wow, like that can be. That could potentially be functional, uh -huh. right? So I started just doing some sketches, playing with some clay, and then um, I created like a design and I made an orthographic, gave it to my 3D guy who made a 3D uh -huh. model, uh -huh. got it printed in 3D. And then for my first trip to Milan, I like went out there with the idea. So instead of having to like refer to a piece of paper yeah. saying like, if you could imagine, right. just handed it to her, didn't say anything. Uh -huh. And she loved it. Wow. Um, so then, no pushback. No none. Like, none. But again, I and this is speculation, but I do think that like where I was coming from kind of helped um, the perception. You know, I'm coming from Yeezy footwear. Like I guess. Yeezy is like you know from a sneaker standpoint. But the chain reaction outsole is in and of itself genius. Thank you. Uh, it's it, well, <laughs> it's I think, not often you could create like a new outsole. You think about like outsole design. Mm -hmm. 
there's like 10 in all of history mm-hmm. that are signatures and yeah. you've created one of them now. Thank you. Um, well, I mean, I, I think that was kind of the opportunity is that, uh, if, you know, rarely in footwork can you kind of create something like new. Yeah. Um, and it was strange because I, I created it and then, you know, you stare at something long enough, you're not really sure. Totally. Like yeah. You feel like you're drinking your own Kool-Aid. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so then we molded the real outsole and uh-huh. I saw the outsole and I was like, I kind of, I was like, oh my God, this is dope. Like I just <laughs> knew it. Mm-hmm. So then I re- completely redesigned the upper. Because uh-huh. I was like, this is like, this can be so much more than what I thought it was going to be. So yeah. I like went back to the drawing board. And then I was like, I thought I had a really strong product, but I was like, I kind of needed to ensure it going back to knowing the ingredients of how you do it. Yeah. And I was like, I need to seed this. I need to like do a gifting. Right. Right. To like get it on those influential people. So, you know, at the time, through my time at Easy, I maybe knew like one or two celebrities. Right. But through just like degrees of separation, calling people, DMing, like cold DMing people, for like a good three months straight, I was personally, I seated about a hundred people. Yeah. So and you were like the head of marketing of the sneaker. I don't want to say that because the head of marketing <laughs> does amazing, amazing work. Um, right. But, uh, but you were doing stuff beyond your job as the designer. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I basically got approval to like seat a hundred pairs and I just put together a list of like pretty much everyone that you would imagine would get uh-huh. be getting sneakers, you know, the usual suspects. Right. You were on that list. Right. Yeah. And then I get put in touch with two chains. And I remember I like had a call with him. It was like 2 a.m. I was in Milan. I don't know where he was. And like his manager puts him on the phone, tech. Like we start talking and I'm like, bro, I got this shoe. It really aligns with your brand. Mm-hmm. He was like, what do you mean? I was like, I got to have you sign an NDA. He signs the NDA. He sees the shoe and he's like, oh shit, it's made of two chains. Mm-hmm. Right? So then immediately he's just like really interested in getting involved. Yeah. And then, you know, we just really hit it off. You know, mm-hmm. we have a lot of similarities. Um and I personally don't think that the relationship would have worked the same if I was like some older guy in a suit, right? Like right. I think the fact that he saw a level of transparency, mm-hmm. he saw a level of uh, just me, you know, being genuine. Yeah, um, it worked, right? right? So for the first, and that was just lighter fluid on an already dope. Exactly. Thing. So yeah. it was kind of a perfect storm of like sound product, amazing brand. There was definitely a little bit of timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then association, right? So yeah. it was kind of all those things that brought it together. So this is, mind you, like a month and a half into me having the job, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I and then the show, like the first show happened, maybe a few weeks after that, right? So Wait, it was. It only took a month and a half from you getting the job to I designed. Having I designed. Shoes? I designed the chain reaction in like four weeks. Wow. Yeah. And they were able to make a sample that fast. Yeah, like it happened super fast. But I also think that I was able to streamline it a little bit just from like experience and mm-hmm. industrial like functional industrial design knowledge and yeah. that kind of stuff um Sick. so it was super super quick mm-hmm. so then i um the show was maybe two months in it was fw18 show and uh brought two chains to milan with me like brought them to the show completely surreal we stopped we you know we hop out of the car cameras everywhere like you know, I told, I like thanked him so much, you know, to this day that, you know, that, that meant so much to me. Like not only that for the fact that he supported me, but for the fact that he came to Milan, you know, flicked it up with me and Donatella, like all of that. Like I, you know, there are, there are moments in life you will never, ever forget. And that was 100% one of them, right? That was history. Um, And what did that do for the business of sneakers as a category in Versace? Well, um, I would say prior, you know, they made sneakers, but I don't think it was necessarily as much of a priority for the brand because mm-hmm. um, there weren't there weren't that many styles. So that's just like speculation that, yeah. that may not be the case. Um, but 
I really just saw an opportunity. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I saw, you know, some of the waves that were being created by other fashion houses and the sneakers they made. And I was like, you guys can, you know, get in, get, participate in this. It's, it's like an open market and you have so many loyal, you know, consumers already. Like now you just need to make a strong product that'll work. And then furthermore, you can pull in so many more like uh, consumers because there's all these kids out here that are not even privy to the brand just because they're young and they don't yeah. know, they don't know, you right. know, so let's do some educating. Let's uh, scream from the mountaintops that we make sneakers and let's, uh, you know, up the momentum. And now it's a, it's a big part of the business. It's a huge part of the business. Um, and it's growing. And so the first year that I was there, I did strictly sneakers uh, by myself. And now um, I have an intern, and I also do the formal men's footwear. Oh, really? Yeah. So they expanded your responsibilities? After the first year, yeah, because I guess maybe sneakers did so well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. When you sent that anonymous letter out on LinkedIn, mm. did you... Should I explain the toilet part? I never got to explain that. Yeah. <laughs> why, why is so, that important? <laughs> so that's really fascinating to me because it's kind of like the butterfly effect. You know what that is? Yes. So it's kind of crazy to me that I ate a meal that made me go to the bathroom at that specific moment. Mm -hmm. And if it happened at maybe an hour earlier, an hour later, the LinkedIn algorithm would have been different. And de oh. <laughs> Dean, who was the person that I messaged, may not have been on LinkedIn. And, right. and, and just because of okay. that meal, I believe it kind of changed my life. Okay. Right? So, I can see that. Yeah. So, yeah so, or, or maybe I just would have been in a different headspace and maybe I didn't want to you know, send him a message. Totally. I, I think it's more that. Sure. I, I, I honestly think that sometimes when I write texts or emails out, mm -hmm. like the universe is saying, do it now, Jeff, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And you felt that, obviously. Most people probably would have been like, let me get off the toilet and sit <laughs> at my desk and actually draft the proper uh -huh. message. Uh -uh. But the universe yeah, yeah. and your doo-doo <laughs> was like, do this now. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, this was my next question, but like, did you send out the same message to like every other fashion house? That's the crazy thing is No. And obviously that sounds like the safe political answer, but no, I did not. And again, like this wasn't new to me because remember like United Nude, I did the exact same thing. I reached out. I was like, yo, I like your brand. Like what's yeah. up, right? Yeah. So that was essentially this on a bigger scale. Mm -hmm. So the answer is no. But at the same time, it wasn't something that was, you know, alien to me at all. I, th I, I really think like any like young creatives out there listening, like it's not to be taken advantage of because so many of you actually take advantage of it in a horrible way. Uh -huh. But like the fact that we have access to all of these people, like you can really use it to your advantage for like yeah. information or, right. you know, a lot of you, again, I repeat, take advantage of it, but can be done with tact. It's like the, the door is there, but you still have to have some sort of mannerisms in the way you Absolutely. knock and approach that door, yeah. you mm -hmm. know? Um, but I do think, you know, there's a lot of value in, in the fact that, you pinpointed the opportunity in the white space at Versace. Mm -hmm. You didn't hit XYZ brand, probably because you subconsciously knew the opportunity wasn't as great. Mm -hmm. And I think the power of what you bring to the table is not only that, like, you, know, you have an opportunity to do this, I can bring you a great design, mm -hmm. but you actually cashed in on it. So the guy who's wearing the suit in this finance department as, at Versace is equally happy with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I mean... You know, numbers don't That's lie. That's rare. Yeah. Numbers don't lie. And then, again, I, I don't eat chicken, and I, I completely disagree with this whole Popeye's phenomenon, but I'm going to use it as my analogy. <laughs> it's like Popeye's already made great chicken, but someone came in and was like, sandwiches, <laughs> right? <laughs> So, like, that's, I think I more or less did that. You know, they were already doing amazing, you know, <laughs> yeah. work and amazing design. But I just came in and I was like, sneakers. 
Right. And then they were like, all right, go. And, yeah, they yeah. Me, and that was, and, and that's actually, there's something to be said for that is that they let me go. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, I, I talk about how I wanted to work in a Nike my entire life. Yeah. But a Nike would have been a lot of gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that I had to convince. Wouldn't have let you just go for exactly. yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and Donatella is amazing because she trusts me and she supports me and she mm-hmm. ultimately lets me go. Yeah. And, and that's powerful. Everyone, we have the internet. So there should be no excuse to not try and reach out to people. Sure, 100 cold emails, messages, and DMs may only bring you back maybe 10 responses. But it's the effort that you put through those that gets you the 10 back. No effort, no results. And whether it be the butterfly effect or some predestined timing, Salehi wouldn't have heard back from Versace if he didn't actually send that message. It's crazy to think that his time at the brand all started by a LinkedIn message on a toilet. (laughs) But that's just the amazing realization of the opportunities from today's online world. Even with all his design talent, it seems Salehi's superpower is actually his ability to take it upon himself to land where he wants. From the innovation team at Cole Haan to Yeezy to Versace, these were concerted efforts to make sure that he's in the best possible place for where he needs to be at that time. That's what's important to realize. He didn't sit back and wait for things to happen. Salehi didn't rely on traditional routes of applying just to get the hope that he might get a callback. Maybe it meant leaving a sketchbook open on a strategic place at the corner of the table. Whatever means necessary, he goes direct and comes with a unique perspective on what he wants to get out into the world. If you want someone to take the time to respond to you with something of value, you have to offer that value first. Be purposeful with what you want to say and remember, take this shit seriously. And conversely, you were mentioning how when you were at Cole Haan mm-hmm. in the innovation team, which is so dope, but like two out of 10 things you design would actually make it to market. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Here you actually get to see your favorite musicians fucking wearing it on stage. And, like, and, and <laughs> that in itself is crazy. I mean, I remember uh, it maybe been five or six months uh-huh. and I just got in the, a few pairs of the chain reaction to the Migos stylist, uh, Zoe, and I wasn't sure if she was going to get it to them or if when they were going to wear it. And I was watching, it was like NBA All-Star, and they came out during halftime mm-hmm. all wearing them. Actually, no, Takeoff wasn't wearing them because his size was wrong. But uh, <laughs> Offset and Quavo were, and like that was the most surreal. Like it was, I, could, I probably said surreal like 20 times in this interview, but that's, that's how things have been lately, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I couldn't believe it. Right. I couldn't believe it. And it, that, was a, that was another one of those just unforgettable moments. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel... Um, Currently, is the success a double-edged sword? Mm. Where are you now? Everywhere you go, the chain reaction guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I got. A, I have a funny story for you before I answer that. So, um, Alan Iverson reaches out to me, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's strange. I've had some real just people I would never expect to reach out to me. Reach out to show love, or maybe want a pair of shoes. Alan Iverson reaches out to me, says he write an interview. Um, really proud of me. Can, crazy. Can that, he, that's crazy. Can he get to some me. shoes, right? That's Insane, crazy right? To me. Alan, Alan Iverson, Iverson right? read an article about you. Right. And then, like, what, slid into your DMs? Slid into my DMs. <laughs> I don't, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Alan. I'm not trying to blow up your spot. Um, but anyway, so we just had like a little back and forth. You know, yeah. I was like, told him I was a huge fan of him. Um, he, he, I sent him some shoes. 
And then the relationship became like maybe every two months we would just check in. What's up? How are you? That looks dope, whatever, right? And then we, and then November comes around and we, we see that we're both going to be a complex con. Mm-hmm. So I hit him. I was like, bro, you're going to be a complex con. We're going to meet. This is going to be dope. He's like, oh, man, I'm excited, blah, 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 right? And then I even asked him if, like, if, uh, if, if I could lay on the ground and he could step over me, we could take a picture. <laughs> yes. So anyway, um, complex con rolls around. I'm walking around. I see a crowd of people, like, mm-hmm. kind of moving. And I'm, like, looking. I was like, oh, there goes, there goes Iverson, right? Mm-hmm. So I walk over, tap him on the back. He turns around, and I kind of, like, make a like, smile. I was like, hey! And he just, like, turned right back around, right? So then I'm like, shit, he doesn't recognize me or what, what is uh-huh. going on, right? So then I tap him again, and I go, hey, it's me, the chain reaction guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's something I would never say in a right. million years. But, but you under needed the, that under, bullet. I needed that, like, recognizable thing. And then he still, like, turned around or whatever. What? So then I, I messaged him, like, a few hours later. I was like, bro, that was me. And he was like, yeah, man, things were hectic. I don't know what happened. I don't know. We've since talked. Like, I don't know if I was sunned or, you know, that he made hilarious. a mistake. But um, going back to being the chain reaction guy, I mean, shit, I'm happy to be the chain reaction guy. Before I was the payless guy, you know what I mean? So, right. so like, I'm happy to be that. And, uh, you know, I, if anything, more than the chain reaction guy, I just want to be seen as, like, the Versace sneakers guy and the guy that kind of, like, came in and shook some things up. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's now segue to the future. Because yeah. you've now, like... Your name has almost become, dare I say, like a brand. It's becoming mm. a you know a household name. You yourself have a fan base and a following as well. So, have you given sights on like what the future beholds for you know you yourself? Um, I just kind of want to continue to be challenged. I mean, like I was lucky enough to major in something that made me pretty versatile as a designer. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to continue to be challenged. And I want to continue to to create. You know, I've been and been in situations where. You know, a whole year will pass and I'll make like one or two things and now I'm just like people constantly ask me how many shoes I've, I've made every such and I, I really have no idea but it's because I'm working like I'm not counting so mm-hmm. like it's a lot though yeah and uh, so I just want to continue to be happy you know this it's like I'm very lucky to do my passion uh, as, for a living mm-hmm. and um, if you love what you do it's not a job so yeah the fact that for me work can happen on an airplane or on my couch or you know, uh-huh. anywhere, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it's it's great, and I'm just really enjoying it. So, you know, moving forward, I just want to keep getting my ideas out there because there there was a time where I was like really geeked off of seeing people wear my shoes, but now I'm like I'm really just geeked off of like the amount of of product I'm getting to create and how successful it's it's doing, and the fact that people seem to be resonating with not only my work but me. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, recently, you know, recently I was at Col- uh, at ComplexCon and. Just experiencing people coming, you know, coming up to me and, yeah. and showing love, and or telling me how important it is for someone that looks like me to be in my space, and it, it's they're all things I realize, but it's also like a reminder at the same time. I'm like, damn, like this is bigger than me. Like I'm, I need to like lead by example and and uh, yeah, and represent, you know, the, right. the multiple groups I'm a part of in the best way possible. You know? Yeah, I mean, what is your perspective on that? On mm. on like race mm-hmm. and where we're at in society today, where like there's definitely cross-pollination happening and a lot of doors are getting kicked down mm-hmm. in, in multiple avenues. Yeah. Like, do you see yourself as one of those door busters? Oh, man, for sure, for sure. I mean, yeah. my entire life, I think, and I kind of almost get off on it, is uh, just like constantly breaking stereotypes, mm-hmm. right? From whether, whether it's like my education level or 
mm-hmm. how I speak or like where I've been in the world. Like mm-hmm. I like to surprise people. I, you know, I've, I've spoken to people. I can just tell by the look on their face that they're surprised. <laughs> right. So, yeah. you know, I really think it's important to lead by example. And, you know, I realize that some people I'm, you know, um, I meet when I travel, they may have never even seen a black person before. Like I've gone to Hong Kong and I've had people touch my face. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I think it's yeah, really not in a racist way, not, but just in like curiosity. A, ne- wow. Curiosity. Yeah. If, you, yeah. if I saw a purple person, I'd touch his face. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So, um, I think it's, it's really important. And, and I definitely kind of always have that on my mind in a mm-hmm. sense, but it's, it's a fine line because if you, if you go too aggressive about it, then you start to scare people off. Like you have to mm-hmm. sort of, understand your place but also not be combative about it well so it's been my life experience right like yeah. i like went to private school i grew up in tribeca right uh-huh. so like my entire life i've been the true minority i've 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 frequently had to uh you know like almost act as a you know um informative tool of like oh we can be this or we can be that and i i enjoy it like mm-hmm. I, I really like it and uh i realize i'm in a space where there aren't many people that look like me yeah. many black people so I ha- it's 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 a, it's a job. It's an opportunity mm-hmm. that yeah. I, that I that I I take on. Yeah, I have no yeah. problem taking on at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see, like, okay, so you know, you've got Virgil, mm-hmm. yourself, you've got, you know, Kirby, mm-hmm. right? And I I asked Tremaine a very similar question when I interviewed him. Mm-hmm. Right now in society, is there a positive momentum happening where in a few years this won't be? you know, newsworthy that you're hiring a black person in a, in a top level? Or are we being patronized right now? Is it just a checkbox or is it actually a movement? Um, I, I, I really do think it's a movement because similar to, you know, the jobs, it's about stepping stones, right? So I don't think I would exist if Virgil didn't exist. I, I personally feel like, you know, I was hired because they might have, might have looked adjacently to LV and been like, oh, wow, you know, and and that could be completely wrong. Again, speculation, but I really think that, you know, there's something there. I think there's something there too. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's leading by example and seeing like, oh, it's working over there. Let's try this out. Yeah. And I don't think my hiring was like based on like strictly race, but I think, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. it plays a role. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't actually, no, I don't want to say maybe it it absolutely plays a role. Yeah. A positive role or a hard or a challenging role? Both. (laughs) <laughs> I, think, right. I think I think bo- I think it's, both. it's just it's a role. It's, it's like a, a factor. It's a it was a factor. The same yeah, way yeah. the same way that um, age or sexuality plays a role. Like you know, right? Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I also interviewed Samuel Ross from okay. Wall, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, he came from the real East End, like of London, mm-hmm. where there was like no access. I remember he told me he was like selling bootleg Nikes on his front lawn mm-hmm. at one point, and then to be able to get through to like now the lug- quote unquote luxury world. He said they're really, he's surprised at how many walls there are, like mm-hmm. constantly. Like you think you like, you've made it only to then like, there's like another wall. Yeah. Like, do you still feel like there's walls that you have to overcome on an everyday basis? Um, I don't know. These days I really don't feel too many, too many obstacles. Good. You know, I, I report to Donatella. Yeah. She is amazing. She yeah. supports me. And then also, now that I have a little bit of proof of concept with some successful footwear, mm-hmm. they do allow me to dance. And uh, so really, like, the sky's the limit right now. Yeah. It really feels that way. Right. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm almost wired to think that things are going so good right now, I'm almost waiting for the bad to happen. Uh-huh. I, I've actually been seeing a lot of 13s recently, and I thought that was bad. But then I looked it up, and apparently seeing 13s consistently is a good thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh, I think things are looking good, I think. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, we'll see. And you know, we were talking before about the ratio of happiness and fulfillment at your job mm-hmm. versus finance and how you could never get them to align. Mm-hmm. Are you aligned right now? I'm. I couldn't be more aligned. Man. <laughs> I'm aligned like linear. a motherfucker. Yeah. Like I'm linear. Yeah, like but were you like so at when you were at Yeezy? Mm-hmm. Was it was it good? Was that the most you ever got paid when you were at Yeezy at that time, or did you take a pay cut from that too? Um, I think I took a pay cut for that as well. Oh, you did? Yeah, I think a little bit, or maybe I stayed around the same. Yeezy was after great, great. Right? So no, Yeezy was a little bit more, but I don't think it was six figures. So I think I like for the next two jobs, I don't think it was six figures. Okay. Um, but again, it wasn't about that. If Kanye, I know, I know. If Kanye was like, I got 20 bucks for you, what's yeah. good? I would have been like, let's work. You need a five back? Exactly. <laughs> you need change. I got yeah. change. Exactly. Um, but yo, I want to go back to the to the Versace talk because mm-hmm. you got the job offered to you right there on the spot. Yes, yes. Does that mean you had to negotiate your salary right there on the spot too? No, because that was like an HR conversation. That could happen. You had time to negotiate yeah, that. Yeah, like maybe that was like a week or like a week or two after. Um, so yeah, and, and then again... Wasn't equipped to have that conversation, but like it worked out for me. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you're like in a really good place, Amazing creatively space. and financially, which I, is I couldn't be. That's happy. kind of like the definition of success, isn't it? Yeah, man. And, and I'm happy, and I'm also getting to travel, mm-hmm. and you know, it's all going well. Because it's strange, you know, I, at all my past jobs, and I've communicated this with a few people, and they, they've agreed, is that I always had this lingering feeling in the back of my head that I could get fired. And <laughs> and when you have that feeling in your head, it's just like. It's just kind of like it's like having that devil on the on your shoulder. Like yeah. it, just, it just doesn't feel right. So at this job, I feel safe mm-hmm. and, and I feel successful and I feel inspired and 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 these are the things that really exist at all jobs. But I feel that now and so to be able to breathe and feel safe, like there's nothing that compares to that. Any, anyone listening to this right now and having that feeling of like not like not knowing if you're going to get that next check or like not mm-hmm. sure if you were performing well enough in your bu- like that's a very real fear yeah and to not have that now i feel i feel kind of free yeah yeah so can you talk a little bit about what's coming for 2020 for you so what's coming for 2020 um my my employer has been nice enough to let me um execute two personal collaborations mm-hmm. so i'm going to be collaborating with new balance um I won't say the release. And okay. then I'm also going to be collaborating with mm-hmm. So two drastically different companies. Yeah. Um, and then we all know New Balance. Um, and I think they're just great opportunities for me to kind of create mm-hmm. and just, uh, you know, show, show the consumer what my, uh, what my pin looks like as, as, a, as an individual with no rules. Yeah. Because obviously when you work under um, a brand or for anyone else, you have to abide by some. And I'm really excited to kind of just get off some projects exactly how i want them to be mm-hmm. you know and that's like really exciting um some some apparel as well yeah and uh yeah it's just new for me man you know i'm like just going back to the versatility like this is something i really think i can do well and mm-hmm. i'm really excited to show uh the audience what it's, i can it's what really can do. dope that your employer is allowing you to go outside and you know do your personal projects and kind of un- and kind of unheard of it exists it in is. some places but i think you know they're they're clearly willing to try new things because they were okay with the work setup, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, you guys dropped the shoe on GOAT, if I'm not mistaken, right? Did uh, you do a release on GOAT? We did do a release on GOAT. I don't know if it was re- like, I think we released it internally and then we did something on GOAT. Uh-huh. But I think that was more so um, represented how we were just trying to experiment, right? Experiment. Yeah. Like, you know, and just try new things to inject new momentum. 
Um, one of the things that I executed pretty early into my stint there was the Kith collaboration. Mm-hmm. Ronnie was a friend, and I thought to myself, you know, if my one of my ma- main goals is to uh, increase the sneaker business and and get a bunch of new young eyes on the sneaker brand, and more importantly, the brand. Kith makes a lot of sense. Oh, right? so the Versace Kith apparel collaboration also was spawned, helped yes. by you. Yes, yes. Oh, wow. I, so I had the relationship with Ronnie, and uh-huh. uh, I was given a little bit of freedom to, wow. you know, reach out and and think about how we could, you know, do some some just interesting uh, projects. So we did the Kith collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a bunch of clothing. We did some sneakers. Then I collaborated, or I'm sorry, we collaborated with Pogi. So mm-hmm. I like flew to Japan. We did a United Arrows and Sons yeah. um, collaboration. We collaborated with Concepts mm-hmm. on the palm print chain reaction that was pretty big. And uh, yeah, these were just all things as a way to both educate this new younger sneaker consumer about the brand, about the sneaker business, um, and just kind of get that organic spreading of the word. Yeah. You know? And it worked because like now the sneaker business is one of the top businesses in the company. And uh you know, people are really curious as to what we're going to come with next. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've been through so much now, mm-hmm. you know, so many trials and tribulations. Like, what is the one piece of advice that you'd give that, you know, even to yourself uh-huh. that like you've learned over the past few years that you always like sort of chant to yourself that, man, if it wasn't for this about me, like I wouldn't be where I am today. What is that insight, that nugget? To just kind of like maybe keep going because, there, you know, there's sometimes there or there were just times where I just, you know would deal with, you know, people that weren't necessarily trying to see me succeed or, you know, the jobs that I didn't, I didn't like or shitty bosses. You know, I've had a couple of those, you know, who you are if you're listening. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, movement forward is just key, right? Movement forward is key, you know, because like, I just kind of like look back on this and like, you know, everything was a stepping stone Mm and, and it really like, you know, my my startup small business time at Greats gave me something. And then dealing with, you know, such a left company like Yeezy, you know, gave me something else. And having a boss like Kanye gave me something else. And it's really like you almost like need those learned experiences to, you know, because then you're going to encounter one of them. And if you haven't dealt with it, then you may crumble. Right. So I feel like I've been lucky enough to be at a giant corporation, a small startup, a Yeezy. Yeah. And now like I'm I'm kind of prepared for anything or at least so I think. I think so, so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited about what's to come. And then the flip side of that question is, now that you're becoming a veteran in your industry and you're seeing a lot of experience, but you're also now seeing, you know, you mentioned that you've been applying to Nike since you were 12 years old. <laughs> Which, you're you're yeah. probably seeing a lot of young kids hitting you up because you're now essentially the gatekeeper. Every day. Yeah. And Every so, day. What do you see as one of the biggest mistakes uh-huh. that young people make when they hit you up and try to really like get access? What is a mistake that people make now? Well, the number one is is that they just want the answer. Like they they really think I'm going to say like I got like two magic jelly beans for you. Drink this mm-hmm. and like it's going to happen. And mm-hmm. like that's not the case. And then the other one is just to like you got to just like start, right? Like it, it's unfortunate that we now have these phones in our hands that are consuming so much of our time and me you know me and you like we're, we're busy like creators we're working and you probably still have the phone in your hand a decent amount of, like mm-hmm. when you do whenever you have the time <laughs> right. like you know what imagine I mean? you weren't busy you right? just imagine <laughs> yeah. like you don't even have a job imagine how you know and then you get into comparison and comparing someone else's experience like with yours or or how someone else's life looks to yours and yeah i would just say start and i realize you know people are always do you need to go to school and like 
just like dead all those questions and just like begin and then mm-hmm. like maybe create something horrible and then learn from that. Maybe take a picture of it, put it on the internet, see what people think. Maybe you get feedback. Like mm-hmm. it's the questions I get sometimes kind of baffle me because it's like we have the internet in front of us. Like when I was coming up, like to even just like see an interview of like a tinker or something was like so rare. Yeah. And like now, like it's all there. Uh huh. And so I would just say like, you're not doing the research properly. Yeah, like do you, the yeah. research. And because I used to, I mean, when I would ask, you know, older designers when I was young, like what to do, they'd say go to the library. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, nah, like that, <laughs> I'm not going. But you guys can do it like in the comfort of your home, like on yeah, a couch. On the toilet. Yeah, on, or on the toilet, right? <laughs> right? You know, so I would just say that. So, the, how does someone, I, I want to know this, like if I slide into your DMs, mm-hmm. what is the proper way? Where I'll actually get a response from you. Like, what is it? Is it being professional? Is it being considerate? Is it showing? Like, I hate it when kids send, like, fucking 15 screenshots of their phone, like, of uh, their work. Yeah. I'm like... Yeah. I would just say... Because you're, like, the master of this shit. Of, of reaching out. <laughs> yeah, well, so I would, I would just say, you know, show value or, like, be respectful, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or be unique. Both. yeah. Or, yeah, or unique value special. Respect. Respect, yes. sorry. I remember because it wasn't it Mike Sherman that like found out the way you get you got home from work and then put up his work on the yeah. w- genius like and that's <laughs> yeah. not what I'm saying at all to anyone do not do that that did like, get the interview though he did get the interview yeah he got the yeah. interview and I'm not saying do that but just like that was unique uh-huh. um, and then this kid this kid approached me because I actually want to shout this kid out because he was like he was really uh, really like interesting dude his name was Toby yeah Toby this kid Toby came up to me. At Complex Con, and he has this group called the Crenshaw Skate Club, and he just came up to me super respectful. He just said he just wanted like knowledge, basically, and he's 16 years old, and he has like this this click. And they're I think they said they were doing something with um, Adidas, and I was like, bro, like any way that I can be a resource or like help you or yeah. educate you or anything you need. Like he was almost more like put like like uh, stoic than I was. I was all moving around trying to help him, and he was just standing there. I was like, wow, like this guy's special. So. Um, yeah, Toby, if you're hearing this, you got to pull up to the office still. But um, <laughs> but uh, it was actually funny. I was trying to have him come to the come to the office, and I was like, "Yo, do you want to come Monday through Friday? Friday, when do you want to come?" And he was like, "Oh, can you do it on the weekend?" I was like, "What do you mean the weekend, man? I'm gonna be, like be doing other things." And he was like, "Oh, well, I'm a junior in high school, so like." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, like, oh well, wow, yeah, like I don't speak school. to anyone your age. I forgot." <laughs> right. So, so yeah, just you know, be unique, yeah, um, be respectful, and sh- or show value because. The amount of times I just get, you know, yo, I want to work for you. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. What do you mean? What's your name? Hello, my <laughs> name. Like, it's like crazy. It's yeah. crazy. So I think it's simple. It's really simple. Good. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks. That was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Heavy hitters, suckers. <laughs> <laughs>
The Business of Hype is created in collaboration with Bright Young Things. You could check out their work at byt.nyc. Our director is Daniel Nevetta. Our audio engineer is David Rogers Berry. Our audio interludes are composed by Gabe Darling. Our associate producers are Sydney Pacumpra and Christina Hong. This episode was recorded on location at the Staple headquarters in New York City. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hype Beast Radio. Hi.